welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most interesting topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 192nd edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 647th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, October 29th, 2020. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday and Wednesday when more preseason All-America teams were released with Trace Jackson Davis's name prominently included. Stadium's Jeff Goodman had Trace as a preseason second-team All-American, as did CBS Sports' panel of analysts. Now, obviously, preseason lists like these only mean so much, but it is a good measure of Trace's talent and the expectations that college basketball observers have for him heading into his sophomore season. Archie Miller said that he told Trace if he was going to return for his sophomore season, then he needed to play like an All-American. If these preseason predictions are to be believed, that's exactly what will happen. But here's what's even more important than what magazines or national writers have to say. Trace's approach to the practice floor. Because if Trace starts reading his press clippings and can't handle the accolades with perspective and humility, he won't be able to reach his potential. And if Trace isn't playing at an All-American level, Indiana figures to struggle through a daunting schedule. Fortunately, Trace has given us no indication that he is anything other than a basketball-loving, hard-working, team-first player who is poised to have an incredible sophomore season. And his practice production clearly backs that up because Trace won the first gold practice jersey of the season last week. So as we approach the 2020-21 season, all appears good with Indiana's best player and centerpiece. Nothing can be more encouraging about the upcoming season than that. All right, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is the Tom Allen of Girls U Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, LEO, the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the world's most intimidating bracketologists. Bottoms looms over other bracketologists the way seven foot three Kristaps Borzingis looms over point guards. I've missed that one. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your bottoms line on the last week in Indiana basketball? Well, I'd, it'd be hard not to hit on the football team, at least briefly here at, at the top uh, with the big win on on Saturday from uh, Tom Allen, Michael Penix, and, and everybody. It gave me the chance to, my boss is a Penn State grad, or not grad, but fan. Uh, so when we showed up to our Monday morning huddle, my background image was, of course, the image of Michael Penix stretching for the uh, for the goal line. So uh, uh gave me some good bragging rights there and just a great win for those guys. Hope they can follow it up uh, against Rutgers. Over the weekend, and then as you said, to me, the biggest things from a basketball perspective, we're seeing Trace land on some of those lists. Uh, Rob Doster, uh, his new new project, um, n- new site. He's been coming out with his uh, his conference previews. He had IU fifth, which I think is about as high as anybody's had him. So uh, I think in that regard, some some positive news on that front. We've got a little bit of scheduling news with the Big Ten ACC Challenge. So things continue to move slowly in the right direction and some good news on the basketball front. So a uh, good week all around for IU sports. All right, and to my right, he is a senior writer for the Big Lead, the world's best hypothetical shot doctor, and a man who history will remember as advocating for the benching of Michael Penix midway through the Penn State game. Ouch. Time has proven me right on virtually nothing. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what is your rant on the last week in IU Sports? To be fair, I said you might want to consider 
moving Penix off if he couldn't keep moving the ball down the field, which he, he couldn't do for three and a half quarters. Then all of a sudden, we found Michael Penix, and he rallied the team. God bless him. It's tough love. I'm just trying to motivate the guy. He knows he knows the vibe of our text conversation. It was a flawed argument from the initial text. Oh, just whatever. admit it. Just admit it. Whatever. <laughs> We'd have been up three touchdowns if Peyton Ramsey had been in there. Oh, just my kidding. goodness. Mute Come on. Um, no, I think that, that we're going to talk about it, but the, the, the Trey Kaufman commitment, I guess by the time this is on the radio, we'll probably know, uh, what has happened there. And, and all I will say, uh, is it appears to be down to IU and Purdue and the rumors out there going one way or the other or whatever. Uh, if a, if, if a, if a player wants to spend his college years, he chooses to spend them in, in West Lafayette over Bloomington. Good on him. Good, good luck, buddy. Enjoy it. Hey, Jared, you used to live in West in Lafayette, right? I did. I went to high school in West Lafayette. Yeah, you know what uh, Purdue kids do on the weekend there? They drive to Bloomington because that's where the fun <laughs> is. So uh, I, you know, I look wherever Trey goes. Wish him luck, but uh, you know, I, I think it's a pretty easy choice if you're if you're breaking breaking down the alternatives here. So. Uh, you know, if somebody doesn't want to spend their time in Bloomington, for those of us who have all been there and spent time there, uh, you're making a crazy decision. So on to somebody who wants to be there. If, if Trey doesn't pick it, if he does, welcome to the family. But if he doesn't, hey, IU will have no problem finding somebody else to fill that role. All right. Wait, what? A four-man show tonight? Indeed. He is a high school basketball coach from the great state of Indiana, ladies and gentlemen, the founder and faculty sponsor of Delphi Bracketology and the host of the world's greatest private outdoor family tailgate. Oh, and he has opinions about the reigning Big Ten player of the year. Luca Garza is not a pimple on Calvert's backside. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Coach, what's on your mind? Uh, quite a bit. Uh, one, what a great Saturday for IU football. Uh, in, enjoyed uh, our tailgate and moved the TVs outside and uh, celebrated a little bit. I think our neighbors now look at us uh, uh, quite differently for the way Brent and I celebrated, but that was good. As far as basketball, I, I normally don't like those videos that are produced, uh, the weight room videos, but when they're on the basketball floor, it is nice to see players in practice taking the ball to the rim uh, and, and doing some work. TJD using his right hand. It's just time for for basketball uh, to to get started, and let's get some scheduling information and move forward. But uh, really excited about what's going to happen this year on the court as well as uh, recruiting. All right, well, we've got a fun show planned this week. We've got some headlines to get to. As Andy said, some scheduling news just came out uh, before we went on air, so we will talk about the Big Ten ACC Challenge, talk a little bit more about Trey Kaufman, and then we're going to have some fun answering questions. So it's an Ask Us Anything episode. You submitted questions via our private discussion community and Twitter, a bunch of them about the team, and then a whole bunch of other stuff. So we're going to have some fun with all four of us here answering those questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But before we get to all of that... I want to tell you about a new sponsor who is joining us here on the Assembly Call, and it is Superior Insulation, a.k.a. Superior Insulators. And this sponsor relationship started like so many of our others have because the owner of the business, Brad, is a loyal listener to the show and a longtime IU fan and season ticket holder. So with winter right around the corner, the timing is perfect to tell you about Superior Insulators and why you should consider giving them a call. Now, what do Superior Insulators do? They provide high-performance insulation and air barrier systems to the residential, commercial, and agricultural sectors. 
In other words, they help you live and work more comfortably by fixing drafty rooms, cold floors, and excess noise in your home or office. And they help you save money on your energy bills in the process. Yes, more comfort and more cost savings. That is a TJD level double-double right there. And just in case you're wondering about their track record, let me sum it up in one word. Excellence. That's right. The Superior Insulators did all of the air barrier systems and spray foam for the new IU Excellence Academy. Brad and his team also worked on the new football locker room, Marching 100 Hall, and many other buildings on campus. So they're kind of a big deal. And best of all for you, they have a special offer for Assembly Call listeners. You will get a $50 Home Field Apparel gift card when you call and schedule an appointment in a qualifying area. And they have four locations covering roughly the southern two-thirds of Indiana plus the northern part of Kentucky. Just tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your gift card. So visit insulators.com to learn more and schedule your appointment. Then Brad and his team can help you create a healthier, quieter, and more energy-efficient home. That's insulators.com. I-N-S-E-A-L-A-T-O-R-S.com to learn more and tell them the Assembly Call sent you to get your $50 Home Field Apparel gift card. Okay. Uh, Always fun to have new sponsors on the show, especially when they come from the audience like Brad did. Um, All right, gentlemen, who's your headlines? We talked a little bit about Trey Kaufman, or Ryan talked a little bit about Trey Kaufman. Obviously, we are recording this on Thursday the 29th, as I mentioned before. Trey is slated to announce his college choice on Friday, October 30th. I guess he's doing a podcast with a high school friend, and that's going to be broadcast on the radio uh, sometime Friday evening. So as we talk about this <laughs> kind of feels like there's all these like weird rumors like swirling around right now so who knows really kind of what's going on um all I will say about it I texted you guys about a week ago just that I had kind of a bad feeling about it just from some information that I had gotten sent unsolicited to it was, it was strange like a couple of people that I haven't talked to in a while that I usually talk IU basketball with kind of texted me out of the blue like almost within like five minutes of each other um you know with the you know, not not that optimistic news, but who knows? You know, with some of these recruitments, you start hearing a lot of noise right before the decision. The decision goes a different way. So, you know, I, I think, you know, I speak for all of us when I say we wish him the best in making his decision. I hope he makes the decision where he's going to be happiest and we'll just wait to find out what it is. And then either we move forward very excited that Trey Kaufman will be a Hoosier or we turn our attention to someone like Mason Miller to try and fill that spot. Nothing much we can do about it until the decision is made. Uh, Andy or Coach, do you guys have any particular feelings one way or the other on the eve of Trey Kaufman's announcement? I'll let Coach go. I I, I haven't paid. I, I've kind of gotten to a point, and you joked about this before we got on that there. Are, you know, some of the rumors and that stuff is among the reasons you've you've got to a point where you don't pay a ton of attention to the recruiting piece. And I definitely say I would fall into that category. So uh, interested to see what he decides, but don't feel like I know enough to to really have a, a lean one way or the other. It's obviously would be a big get for for the Hoosiers. He's a talented player, Gatorade player of the year in Indiana as a junior. You want those kind of kids from Indiana in your program. But, you know, when you're deciding between two uh, two programs, the, the young man's got to go where he fits and feels the best. And, and the one thing I will always say to everyone is respect that young man's decision. Um, regardless and, and, and wish him personal, uh, well-being, maybe not team success. Uh, if he goes elsewhere, if he comes to Indiana, uh, then we can 
can root for him. But please, please remember that as a dad, if you have an athlete, uh, you, you know, one team's winning and one team's losing, but really both teams are in it at the final over Virginia and, and, and North Carolina. That speaks volumes for the game of basketball uh, in the state. And the other thing is uh, we got Christian Lander in that class. Uh, we got yeah. I, what I think is the best player in that class. So while the immediate hurt, if he goes somewhere else, will be uh, immense tomorrow. Remember, we got Christian Lander. He just came early. We have a really good, solid center from a good program at Cincinnati, and we have other two top 70 uh, kids who are we're in the top you know, a uh, few schools for as well in Miller and Muhammad. So uh, life, life moves on if it doesn't go our way. If we do get good news, uh, th- that'll be uh, you know, time to celebrate. Yep. Yeah. Look, you always want to get a kid like Christian or, or like uh, like Trey Kaufman uh, from your state. But here's the thing, and I, and I said in my opening, is that IU will never be ma- made or broken by one player, or one recruit. It'll never happen, guys. It, it never has happened. There have been times where you don't get a guy and its sky is falling, and then somebody else hops in who's just as good, you know, and and maybe not on that level, but maybe the person that you're getting stays four years instead of just two or, or something. I mean. It, IU is strong enough in recruiting, and it, and it has largely been, regardless of who the, the coach is, that you can fill in other players and you will have plenty of talent. Talent is not going to be IU's issue over the next few years. There might be some gaps in certain positions, but there are going to be very talented players on this roster over the next few years, regardless of whether or not Drake often comes. I do not think one player makes or breaks IU's chances to either hang another banner or... Uh, you know, win a Big Ten title or whatever. I don't think Trey Coffin is going to be the difference between that. I think that there are, you know, if you miss on everybody, maybe that does. But missing on one player never determines that. You're going to miss players. That's going to happen. And it's more about, you know, how you do as a whole, as a program to A, develop players and B, fill the holes when maybe you don't get a guy that you went after, which is why you have contingency plans out there. You always have to be ready to miss on guys and and pivot to the next level. Trick Kaufman isn't that guy. Cody Zeller probably was. Yeah, sure, but you know, that's the but that's the thing is if you don't get Cody Zeller, I mean, it, there was a difference between getting Cody Zeller. That was the start of an era to transform a program. Right. That's what I mean. Sometimes there is a guy like that. Where yeah, occasionally, like occasionally, yeah. Right. Carmelo Anthony was that guy. How many of those guys are there out right. there though? It's very rare. And Trey Kaufman isn't that guy. But in in general, I will say without you know Cody Zeller without Jordan Hulls and Victor Oladipo and a couple other guys doesn't get as far as he did. You know, I mean, it's, it's well, not sure. about one. It's not about one player. It's about building the program and you're going to miss on guys. You just are, it's going to happen. And if that happens, we don't know if that's going to happen with Trey Coffin, but if it does, the sky is falling stuff needs to go away and stop. Well, yeah, that something. would be ridiculous. It's pivot to the next guy and go get him. Yep. Okay. Let's talk schedule stuff. This has been Andy, a crazy week for scheduling. <clears throat> you know, ESPN canceled their bubble. Uh, they were going to be a whole bunch of those tournaments that were going to be played. They canceled that. Of course, we've seen in college football just how tenuous the footing of all this is with the Wisconsin-Nebraska game getting canceled. Now, just minutes before we went on, Trevor Lawrence, quarterback at Clemson, had a positive test. He's probably going to miss a couple of games. So, I mean, college football and college basketball, it's just going to be like this. Like, just be ready for craziness around the corner. But for games that at least are going to be scheduled to be played right now, the Big Ten ACC Challenge matchups were announced. Uh, Indiana's matchup is, drumroll please, a rematch with Florida State. It will be at Florida State. Obviously, there's no Devontae Green here to hit 8,000 threes. Uh, but 
still an interesting matchup. You know, Florida State 18th right now in the preseason Bart Torvik rankings. They lose a lot of guys. You're going to hear a lot of Florida State guys named in the NBA draft, but they've got some good players coming in. And Leonard Hamilton's kind of got that thing going to where they're perennially a top 25 team. So, Andy, I'm curious to get your thoughts about that matchup for Indiana, especially in the context of the rest of what we think the schedule is going to be. And I didn't even look at the other matchups. Are there any other good ones that stand out to you in the Big Ten ACC Challenge? Yeah, the the headliners are uh, North Carolina at going to Iowa, Illinois going to Duke. Apparently, could be a lot every, of defense in that North Carolina. Apparently, every Iowa major game. game is at the ACC school because Michigan State's at Virginia. What the hell? Um, and anyway, now you go at Florida State. Uh, at least what I'm looking at, and then Louisville at Wisconsin. Those are kind of the big ones. Um, you know, from from an IU perspective, it, it's not a terrible it, it's not a terrible matchup. At least there's some familiarity with the team personnel wise. Uh, Florida State lost some guys, so if you're playing that game early, I don't I don't think the actual dates for the games have been announced, but um, you know they, they lost a handful of their better players, Trent Forrest among them. So maybe you get them at a at a re- reasonably good time, and I think they're part of Virginia is really the class of the ACC, and they're in that next tier with some combination of Duke, Carolina, and and Louisville. So uh, I think a good matchup with a chance to if, if you win it. Um, give yourself a, a road win and a, and a solid uh, solid victory on your resume. And, and I think in general, the the scheduling stuff just becomes if you if you want to try to learn from what the Big Ten has done from a football perspective, because of when they wanted to start and trying to meet deadlines to get somebody to be part of the championship uh, process, you really didn't leave yourself any wiggle room. And so I think that's where you start to get into you know, how early do you want to start conference games and how much buffer do you want to leave yourself for the fact that inevitably games are going to have to be postponed? So you want to think that they're able to learn something from that. The, the challenge with some of that is you're going to try to schedule around the Maui Invitational. You're going to try to schedule around the Big Ten ACC. But I think it just becomes a question of if, you, if you're some of these leagues, you're probably asking yourself how quickly you can get started so that if there are games that you got to push out, you've given yourself room to do that instead of painting yourself into a corner like the Big Ten has really done from a football perspective where you can't make those games up. So um, it will be interesting to see when and if that comes out. I know some leagues have started to announce schedules and uh, and, and those kinds of things, but that that's really the overarching thing for me is what can you learn from things that didn't go well on the football side and bake, bake yourself in some time on the basketball side of things to, to be able to get in your conference season, which is ultimately what's going to be most important. Yeah. Hey guys, can can we take a moment real quick and just think about the plight of poor Nebraska having their game canceled against Wisconsin and then their makeup game against UT Chattanooga shot down by the Big Ten. I mean, there's the scheduling issues. I just don't you just feel bad for the 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 poor Nebraska fans and program that are just constantly getting railroaded they're by just, the Big Ten. You know, they're so they're so classy, Jared. Yeah, they are. They uh, they're so lo- beloved in the Big Ten. That yes, I feel. I feel. Would anybody be upset if they were gone? Anybody? No. Like, take Rutgers get them out you. of here. <laughs> take Rutgers and Maryland with you and get the hell out. Like, <laughs> hey, at least Rutgers is starting to do some respectable stuff on the basketball court and football yeah, field. You know, like they're starting to, to travel keep, there. And they're not annoying a, while they do it. Yeah. Hey, guess anyway. what, Nebraska? If you want, if you want to go, like, have you know, go to the SEC. See how well you do. <laughs> it, it'll be fun. <laughs> uh, any other news stuff, Coach? Do you want to chime in on any of the schedule stuff? Well, you know, the the thing is, there's not going to be too many easy games on the schedule, and that's going to bode well, too, because there's not going to be any chance for any tough losses. Uh, I I think it's going to be interesting for, you know, Andy and and, and our group to try to figure out 
how you're going to distinguish teams in one conference from another conference uh, if they're heavy uh, on those conference games. And one team plays two non-conference and the other plays, you know, four or five. So, you know, you look at Florida State, that's a good challenge on the road. Uh, Let's go uh, take it. Uh, That either means people think Indiana is going to be one of the top five teams in the Big Ten or we just are a very popular TV draw uh, right now. So, So you move ahead of teams like Michigan and Ohio State in that selection piece. But, uh, yeah, it's it's going to be uh, – let's just be happy if we get a game here and a game there. Uh, take whatever games I know um, in talking to, to some of the people at, at, at Indiana State, you know, they're hoping to get as many games as possible, but they're also understanding that there's going to be some cancellations and some problems and, and in talking into some high school – you know, our, our school shut down for two weeks. We have a brand-new coach where uh, I teach. I coach somewhere else. Uh, they don't even get the first two days of practice um, be- because of, of the health situation. So it's all going to be fluid, and let's just hope we get to November 25, 25th and have a, a, a tip-off and see some action. Last scheduling note, the Gavit games for this year were canceled. Indiana was not expected to be in it, uh, but those are canceled, and they will resume next year. That's the series between uh, the Big Ten and the Big East. So if you were wondering when that's going to be announced. All right, uh, coming up here, since all four of us are here, we decided to do an Ask Us Anything episode. So we are going to spend the rest of our time answering listener questions, and boy, we got a lot of good ones. So we'll start with some IU Hoops questions, and then things will inevitably devolve from there. So stick with us on the Assembly Call. Okay. Hello there to everybody watching live. Good to see you all here. It's a good, solid live turnout for a late October show. Uh, you know, with games still a full month away. So we appreciate you guys being here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So schedule wise, I didn't want to get any more into this, but you've got, I mean, your Big Ten schedule, you've got your three games from Maui, you've got Florida State, and you've presumably got Butler. So you're at 25 already there. So that leaves you with two others where I think there was at least some concern there might only be wiggle room for one other one if they were in the Gavit games, but so we'll see how see how those go. Butler's not being picked very high in any big east projections that did I have. They seen. Lose. Did they lose guys? They lost Kamar Baldwin and um okay. I forget what the other what was the guy what was the guy that could really shoot it? Um oh, I, know I want to say Sean McDermott, maybe yes. was his name. Yes. I think he I think he's gone. Baldwin's the big one that was uh that left. Um, let's hit real quick on that note about scheduling, because uh, we got a couple questions about that. Ken asked, with the season a month away and no schedule, what are the odds of a conference-only schedule? And Sammy uh, Jacobs asked, how confident are you in a full season and tournament? Um, how are you guys feeling about that right now? Uh, you know, again, as we mentioned, there'll be a tournament up in the air, but there'll be a tournament. I doubt that there'll be full uh, complement of games. Te- you know, teams will have some cancellations here and there, but I believe the NCAA is going to do whatever it can to set a minimum number of games to be eligible um, for for a tournament and, and get that done. Uh, and hopefully we have some vaccines or something a little bit better by March or April where that can that can take place. But I believe in a tournament, but not a full schedule of games. Yeah, yeah I was going to say, I would rank the tournament as the by far most likely scenario and then try to figure out how you do the games. I, I Yeah, I just wonder, you know, some of the reasons these, the, the bubble and that, kind of fell apart they talked about this decent amount on the cbs one of the cbs podcast earlier this week was around different testing 
protocols and, and really more like retesting protocols for guys who, who have previously tested positive uh, among some of the conferences. And so, I mean, that, that's even differences among the major conferences. So when you start thinking about differences among, you know, a, a high major to a, a mid major to a low major, it, it definitely pushes you in the direction of trying to figure out at what point is the is our non-conference games not really worth it? So you maybe see IU play those five that I talked about and, and not even attempt to do any others. But a lot of that falls back on the Big Ten saying, like, how much of your time do you have to carve out for the Big Ten season once you make those decisions of, you know, how many times are you going to play? Are you going to do what some of these have done where you're going to play like a home? not really a home and home against somebody, but play somebody twice within a short time period at the same venue. And just to kind of knock some of those things out within in short order. So I think a lot, and and I'm sure the big 10 is, well, shouldn't say that, but you would assume the big 10 is, uh, you know, given some indication of what their plans are and some of those things as people are making schedules. But yeah, I mean, until you have that part, you don't really know what you can fit in around that and, and what buffer you got to leave yourself and, so I think the conference season, they'll get pretty close to being full. I would imagine if they schedule it correctly and, and leave themselves some wiggle room and, and, you know, in terms of full season, above and beyond that, I don't, it's hard to even define what that, what that even is, but. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. What's going on? It's Christian Wofford. What's the only thing better than an epic buzzer beater? Celebrating it with friends afterwards. Join my guys, Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the Assembly Call after every IU game. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Christian. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to join the chat mob chat mobbers. during our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays and see all the between-segment banner, then check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. All right, I'm Jared Morris, here with our entire roster of regular co-hosts, Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And it is an Ask Us Anything episode. So guys, let's dive into the questions, uh, starting with the IU basketball questions. And look, I think we have to start with the Bob Thompson question. Uh, Bob Thompson, of course, is the guy who does a, uh, creates a lot of the music for the show, as you have heard. And so he submitted a question on Twitter to us. Uh, was lots of hype for our depth, but I feel like I've heard that the last few years without much to show for it on the court. Why should I believe the hype this year? A perfectly fair question. Now, me just kind of being silly on Twitter, being a little flippant, I replied to him that we'll politely request that you submit your question in song form. Thank you, Bob. Not thinking that anything would come from that. Boy, was I wrong. Because a few hours later, I received an email in my inbox from Bob with his question in song form, and it does not disappoint. So, here is Bob Thompson's Ask Us Anything question in song form. Enjoy. Should I believe in the hype? Will our depth be out of sight? Will each position really be too deep? I do not know when I'm losing sleep. You know I've heard it before. 
they really show up when they're on the floor? Should I believe in the high? Should I believe in the high? Should I believe in the high? I mean, if we're okay with R. Kelly parodies at this point, like that was <laughs> phenomenal work by Bob Thompson there. So. Let's answer his question, gentlemen. Should I believe in the hype? Should we believe in the hype for this year's team, specifically with the depth? Uh, who wants to take a stab at this one first? The answer has got to match the song. No pressure. Nope, not singing. Um, <laughs> I I think that there is real depth on this team, and and I think it, it part of it's going to depend on how the young, how quickly the young freshmen come along, because I think they're all going to contribute in some ways. Um, how ready is Trey Galloway to take on some defensive responsibilities? How ready is Anthony Leal to st- step up and hit some jumpers? Uh, how ready is George Geronimo to get out there and just be athletic and disruptive? But I think that that's certainly there. I, I think that that the depth is pretty darn good, and uh, we've got some options up front, some options on the wing, and there's guard depth. And you don't know who's going to start, who's going to play, how much, all that stuff. And uh, other than Trace, I mean, you could you could really see a group of other guys around him at all at any time and being successful. So yes, I think there's real depth here. The question is who steps up as the other scorer across from, you know, other than Trace, who takes the pressure off him and how well does this team shoot? I think those are the questions that need to really be answered. I think the defense will continue to improve the offense. That's the question. Who steps up as the other scorer to balance things out for Trace and can they knock down shots? Yeah, we have a de- like undeniably we have a deeper roster this year of guys with strong high school pedigrees than we've had since 2013. I mean, really, like just when you look at the roster. But to Ryan's point, it's who actually steps up and does that come to fruition? Do guys develop? But when you just look at the kind of the recruiting pedigree of what we have, like there's no, I mean, other than the two scholarships that weren't awarded, there's like, there's no blank spots on the roster where you're like, wait, why does that guy here? You know, like everybody kind of belongs. And that's the first time we've had that in a while. And if nothing else, that certainly should help on the practice floor. And I think the collection of talent it also is closer together on the, the mental side and the togetherness side. Uh, and I know we beat that to death a lot, but there's a, you know, there's a lot of guys that are going to bust it out there, even if they're 9, 10, 11. Uh, and I, I think you know, they have to get it done. The freshmen who come in, they have to get it done on the court. Uh, and until we see them play and handle it, um, th- there might be some questions about the death because we are, we are relying on some freshmen to come in. Uh, but Armand did a nice job last year uh, as, as a freshman. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis was a superstar a- as a freshman. So I-, I think this collection is the best collection. There might have been better individual players uh, and-, and players who could do certain things better, uh, but this is the best collection that, that Archie's had. And then you know, he Archie's got to get it done, and the players got to get it done on the court in a very tough Big Ten. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I think if you want to play devil's advocate, it's that over a third of the scholarship guys have never played a college basketball game before. So, in order to be deep on a team that only has eleven of the thirteen scholarships filled, you need at least two, maybe three of those guys to really step in and be somewhat reliable. Even though I think anybody outside of Lander, you would you would see as assuredly in a complimentary role, but you do need some of those guys to do it. So the talents there, I think what a lot of the things that you guys said are true, but if, if uh, our friend Bob is, is looking to not get sold into the hype again, uh, I think part of that is just the fact that 
there are young guys who, in order to have that depth, need to step in pretty quickly because otherwise you've only got the seven guys who've actually you know played played before. So that's one of the, the you know the upside of only having eleven scholarship guys is that you're going to be able to get everybody minutes. In theory, the downside is you've got a good number of those eleven who who haven't played college basketball before. So Bob did all that work, and the answer is definitely maybe. <laughs> maybe maybe you should believe in the hype we'll we'll find out uh okay next question from nick p what percentage will iu shoot from three this year where will that rank the team in the big 10 so i actually went through uh gentlemen you can see this on the run sheet here and kind of did a spreadsheet projecting out uh percentage and attempts for guys and i tried to be somewhat confident that guys will improve but conservative in those improvements so just to give you a rundown uh, projections wise for what I think guys will shoot. I've got Rob at 35%, Al at 40%, Armand at 31%, uh, Jerome at 33% uh, on 125 attempts, Race at 33%, Lander at 32 Trey at 32 Leal at 30%, and Jordan uh, Geronimo at 28%. And for the freshmen, I kind of went on what they did in AAU play. Uh, Lander shot 35% from three. Uh, Trey Galloway shot 44% from three. Leal was only 25%. And freshmen tend to struggle uh, shooting wise, you know, when they first come. So th that's where I, you know, th so those are kind of some basic projections. If you have any quibbles, you know, let me know. But if you take all of that and average it out, then, you know, based on the amount of, of attempts I project for each guy, it has Indiana at 33.88%. If you look at last year's Big Ten, that would have put Indiana sixth. Indiana actually finished eighth uh, in shooting. So I do think the three point shooting will be slightly better because I think you'll see a guy like Al get more attempts. Uh, you know, I think Jerome will, you know, and, and there's big room for Jerome to shoot better than that. But I think at the number of attempts and have a lot get, more attempts, too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it'll be interesting because I think Jerome is still a guy that's kind of feeling out shot selection, you know, so I think he's probably a better shooter than that. But at a higher number of attempts, I don't know if he'll hit that same percentage. So, you know, you really, you know, if a guy like Armand can shoot 37, 38 percent instead of 31, have kind of an Al Durham like jump, uh, you know, then this could be better. But to me, conservatively, I look for it to be right, you know, right under 34% or right around 34%. And that's not anything to write home about, but it probably does get you into the upper half of the Big Ten. And considering well, where we've thing. been, that's an improvement. Well, and, and here's the thing. There were a handful of games last year where if IU had one guy who could make three threes in a the game, they'd have won those games. You know, I mean, that, that's a huge swing. Yeah, the guy in was Devontae Green, and when he made yeah, him, I mean, we won. Several, agreed. In several of those games, if you just had one guy who could have knocked down a couple threes, you win the game. There were a lot of close losses and a lot of games that, you know, late the free throw, free throws at the end, fouling and slowing down, spread those leads out. But if you just had somebody who could consistently knock down shots, you win those games. And then on top of that, if you have somebody who consistently knock down shots or a couple guys who are at least threats from there, it opens things up on the inside and it changes the offense. And we've talked about that endlessly on this over the last couple of years, really, on this show, yeah. is that having guys who can consistently knock down threes, you don't have to lead the Big Ten. You don't have to shoot 38% as a team. You just have to have threats out there, especially when you've got a dynamic player in the post who can wreck teams when you get him the ball and he's not being immediately double teamed with no threats to pass out to. So I mean, if you're going to be a contender for a Big Ten title or a national championship, you probably do have to get a little better than 34%. Sure. You know? I'm talking about making improvement. Though. Yes. And I'm talking yes. about, you know, and I'm talking about changing the dynamic on offense. Yes. I mean, there are times the offense gets bogged down because teams play the drive and play the post instead of worrying about the three point line. It's gotten better. It is slowly improved at times. 
but it has not been consistently a better situation. And it's crazy to look at and look at Archie's teams, you know, at Dayton where they shot a lot better and wonder just what the disconnect and whether it's just you're getting guys who are incapable of developing into long-term shooters, which is, which can happen. Uh, so I think that this, and if you look at the guys that are recruiting now over the last couple of years, it has, it, it, there definitely is a focus on getting guys who can do, do more and, and can actually stand out on the floor and shoot and make shots consistent. Yep. We improved to 34 and a half, two, two percentage points. I know that that might be a lot to ask, but if you do with our inside game, you know, that, that that's enough to pick up three or four victories uh, and go from nine and 11 to 13 and seven in a tough big 10. I know we want to do better than that, but you know, what, what's it going to be at the end of the year when we're having our discussion, that three point shot to really improve our chances of winning. Is it 34? Is it 35? And I really think Franklin, the more I'm looking at this team, uh, can he take that jump? We know what his floor is, his hustle and his hard work and his defense. But if he can really, you know, these guys' floor, we're going to win a good amount of games this year. We're not going to be the bottom of the barrel. But if they all reach some of their potential, and it'll be interesting to see what, what, what that is. But 34 and a half might get us uh, to where we need with our inside presence. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, hopefully, you know, the guys can improve like this and I think where you where there is a chance for this to be better than I'm projecting is Armand and Jerome. And one of the reasons I projected them to have a lower percentage is yeah, I just don't trust their shot selection yet. Like they're good shooters, but they're also like really confident and they'll take some that maybe they shouldn't. And you want that. Like I don't want them to not be that confident but that could harm their percentage a little bit. And so if they're a little bit more tuned in to shot selection and some of those things, and that percentage is up, that could help make Indiana even a little bit more efficient from three-point range because those guys will definitely get opportunities to shoot them. Um, okay, next question. This is from Nick P. Where is Indiana ranked in the preseason Big Ten forecast, and why is Jared Morris convinced that it's far too low? I don't, I don't think Nick has been listening as much. Well, I, hasn't been listening. I just haven't been on as much. I should put the blame on myself. Uh, that I, I've actually been a little bit lower on my expectations for this team than I think others are, trying to be a little bit more cautious. But Andy, where where are people projecting us? It's it tends to be I think between fifth and eighth in pretty much everything that I've seen. It, I think as we've talked about on the show, there's that upper tier of Wisconsin, Illinois, Iowa, Michigan State, and then uh, kind of a, a hodgepodge after that. So I, on the high side, I mentioned Rob Doster. I think he had him fifth. Um, looking through a couple of those three-man weave, they were sixth. Uh, CBB Central, they're doing um, previews there, sixth. And then seventh uh, by Rothstein at CBS, which theirs was a composite. I think they had you know, they had maybe four people uh, go through theirs. Lindy's seventh, and then Blue Ribbon, kind of the, the low mark at eighth. So it, really anywhere in that five to eight range, uh, right in there with Ohio State, Rutgers, uh, Michigan, um, those tend to be the teams that are around them most often, which, you know, we could probably have some quibbles with, with eighth uh, or something like that. But I think anywhere in the five to seven range based on what's there and based on other teams feels reasonable to me. I, everybody has higher expectations than that, but I struggle to, to really bury somebody who's, who's got them at six versus fifth or seventh versus yeah. fifth based on track record and stuff like that. Yeah. The place where I'm at, the standard I'm using to measure the team is top four. I think we need to be a top four team competing for a Big Ten title. But my expectation is probably more in that five to seven range. Like I think that's it's hard for me to expect us to do better than that, but I think the standard should be higher considering this is the fourth year for the coach. 
and at some point we need to overachieve. So that's kind of where I'm at with the things. Yep. Here's here's the thing I'm I'm looking at. I think some of those teams in those top tier they're very deserving, but they can fall. Uh, whether it's Iowa's defense or Wisconsin's, uh, you know they have a good team system, but they can be beat just as many times as they can win. Uh, and so if if those teams fall, which teams are going to go up and, and replace them? And, and I think it's open for three or four teams in that next tier to be the ones. Uh, and I will not say that it's going to be Indiana because I think fifth or sixth is probably the right spot. But I am holding out hope that there might be a couple spots in those top fours for the taking, and then the best coach, the best team uh, will go up and snag them. Uh, and I can only hope that it's the Hoosiers. Okay, so on this note, let's end this segment with a couple coach-related questions. Ryan, I'll go uh, to you with the first question from JD. Given the state of college sports and college basketball, is it really fair to evaluate any coach on how this season goes from a one-loss perspective? Sure, it's fair. I think that you have to grade on a curve because they didn't have their full off-season program as they normally would have and things like that. Uh, it's fair to grade them, though, because other coaches are dealing with those same restrictions, too. And you've got to compare yourself against other programs. Are other programs advancing while you're retreating? Are you staying stagnant while other programs are advancing? Uh, I think that it's fair. I agree that there are some uh, issues. I think that what's going to be interesting is after the season, I think a lot of schools are going to hang on to coaches who maybe they would normally fire because of financial reasons. I think that's the big thing that we'll be looking at is if coaches are under contract, do you really want to fire a guy who's going to make three to $5 million and have to pay that contract and then pay a new guy coming in when you've had your revenues drop for everything over the last year? So I think that will be more interesting to watch. I think that's the more interesting question is, will coaches be retained who don't perform well? And I think the answer in most cases is going to be yes, unless there's just a, a university just swimming in money. Um, but I will say that I think, yeah, I think this year it is fair to evaluate coaches. Of course, it's all, it always is. You, you know, what you do you know, maybe record wise, maybe that's going to be harder or development wise, that's going to be harder to judge, but your in-game adjustments, things like that, that's just basketball. Basketball is going to be basketball, regardless of whether you're in a bubble or whether you've got 20 games or 30. It's, it's, there are things you can certainly grade coaches on. I think it's completely fair to do so. All right. So and more so for coaches, more for the coaches whose contracts are coming up or they don't want to renew it in another year. Yeah. But you know, with, with people sitting out for, for COVID possibility, I think it's going to be really hard um, for them to say, I'm going to fire coach a come to my university uh, when, when the star player was out for three weeks and missed six games. So it, it's going to depend. Yes, it, it is fair. If you're not doing what a good coach would do in a normal situation or any situation, or you treat players bad, like we've seen a couple uh, situations pop up here, uh, evaluate as the overall job performance. Absolutely. One loss. I'm not so sure. Uh, just a, a record standard is going to be the reason a lot of people, um, make coaching decisions. All right, Andy, let me get your answer to this question. The rest of us can answer uh, in the break. This is from Matt. The Archie era will end in only one of two ways. He will either leave on his own terms or be fired by Indiana. Uh, without regard for time frame, extenuating circumstances, or any other factor, which of those two outcomes do you expect to see? I guess you'd be hard pressed not to say the the latter. Um, you know, again, who knows when that might be? But you, you know, even hearing some of the the rumblings uh, about the hot seat, we can all debate whether that's true or not, whether that's fair or not. Um, but I guess I feel like, you know, who who among 
if if Bob Knight wasn't walking away of his own will at IU and everybody since them has left based on not of their own will either and gotten fired, I, you know, got to play the percentages, I guess, and say that would have to be the way that it would end. I mean, I think eventually, no matter what, and and certainly not going to compare him to Crean, but even with Crean, good years weren't enough to say you you know, to save him from being fired because there were a lot of other things that were, you know, going on the inconsistency, all those, all those kinds of things were there. So I think that firing was justified at the time. So it it just is hard for me to just, that's the exception these days, not just at IU, but everywhere really leaving because you want to walk away for whatever other opportunity that might be is so rare these days. It it makes me feel like it would almost have to be the the firing whenever that time might be. Yeah. Okay, well, we are going to take a break, but when we come back, we will have more of your questions, including including the return of the mediocre question and many others. We're going to get to as many of them as we can, so stick with us here on this episode of The Assembly Call. Okay. There are Coach? two kinds of coaches. Two kinds of coaches. Those who have been fired and those who are about to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're in co- if you're in coaching, you're gonna get fired. At some point, you're gonna You know, the the thing is, like there are there aren't a lot of jobs in college basketball that are destination jobs to where if you're awesome, you're just gonna stay there. You know, there's maybe what, like fifteen or twenty of them. You know, and so that that's the the one thing is like if Archie is really good and he can get this program going, Indiana's the type of job where he wouldn't necessarily be looking to jump because he'll get the money, he'll get the players, he'll have the resources. So there's that potential, but to Andy's point, like the most likely scenario for any coach is that you're gonna get fired. You know, it's very few that actually end up being able to, you know, be a Mark Few or be a Roy Williams or one of those types, you know. So that's probably is likely, but you know, I think we're all holding out hope that we can, you know, find the next guy who's going to retire here 30 years later, having built an incredible program that has given us three decades of greatness as opposed to the three decades of what we've had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't need to say it. It's good. I know. <clears throat> Any other thoughts on that? That particular I, I, I thought the evaluation question was, I know we were short on time in terms of like what whether it's fair to evaluate, I, I think there are certain things, but you're not going to be able to necessarily lay those out at the beginning. I think in some ways, if, if the coach is able to, you know, through the players navigate the situation, like if I, you got through this year and nobody tested positive and did that, like, I think that's a pretty positive reflection on the, uh, on the coach in some ways, if that was able to happen, I mean, who knows what's realistic or not. I, I do think there are things you can evaluate them on, but, in terms of record and stuff like that, like coach said, you, you could either lose games because you have guys out that you, you have no chance of winning w- without those players, or you could rack up a whole bunch of wins because the circumstances of when you played people and who was out for them can really artificially make you look good or not. So uh, I think all of it has is ends up being pretty difficult to look at. You can't just look at wins and losses and where you finish and whatever. You can look at some of those on court things, but um I, I do think the bigger thing is trying to figure out the the if you wanted to make a move, would you really do it? How is that looked upon? You know, people this year were certainly reluctant to make changes uh, outside of 
generally outside of extenuating circumstances, Danny Manning's probably the exception to that at Wake Forest. But, you know, any other major moves that have been happened or discussed were there was something else, you know, going on that was a part of it. But yeah. I I always I think it's somewhat chicken shit to put a, a one loss marker on a decision if you're an athletic director. You're an athletic director, do your damn job. Make a decision. If you tell a coach you got to win 18 games and finish third in the conference or, or I'm going to fire you, that's not doing your job as an athletic director. Your job as an athletic director is to get in there and know what the coach is doing. Does he have an idea? Is he moving forward? Yeah, now winning is part of that decision-making, but I think it's really bullcrap when you, you as an AD tell someone you got to finish third in the conference because there's so many other things that you could really do a great coaching job and someone – you know, the schedule in the non-regular schedule. I, I just think you see a lot of poor leadership in, in athletic departments that think they're all great talent to coach. You got to win 18 games in this league or finish third. That's crap. Evaluate a coaching performance is why you're hired uh, and to make tough decisions. And sometimes you got to pull the trigger when it might not be popular um, and, and vice versa. But that's why I don't like the the absolute one loss, have to win 20 games or have to win this as a marker of whether a coach stays or not. Take that to the school board. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I hate school boards. <laughs> <laughs> they they know much as much about, about basketball as my right butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> and yet they make the decisions all the time. You know, Don Meyer, greatest <laughs> college coach ever. He was he was at Lipscomb for a while before it became Division One. Then he went up to Northern State, and and, and he, I mean, Majerus called him in to just the great guy. I learned so much from from him. Um, and he said administrators are like pigs. You know, uh, they like to they like to wrestle in the mud. You know, and are like. Uh, Arguing with administrators is like wrestling with the pig in the mud. That the administrator they like it and they like getting dirty. And it, I don't know. I messed that quote up, but administrators, yeah, weak. <laughs> what do no, you I like? do like Dolson. Dolson's done a nice job so far with the football program and that. And so Scott, if, when you're listening to this, don't think I'm coming after you, but. My goodness. By the way, can we just talk for a moment about how cool that moment was in the locker room where Tom Allen gave Dolson the game ball and then Dolson like goes up and addresses the team. Yeah. He was so excited. Man, those moments it, it was one of the like one of my favorite memories growing up as a kid, obviously when my dad was coaching at IU is being able to be in the locker room after big wins and getting to hear the fight song. You know, they do it three times. They do it regular, they kind of whisper it and they you know everybody's clapping, getting all excited. Gave me chills when I was a kid being in the locker room, and then seeing it after that game was so much fun. Like there is just nothing like the excitement and jubilation of a locker room after a win like that. And to see, you know, Tom Allen crowd surfing and Scott Dolson being so excited and the love that the players had for those guys, that was special. You know, that was just a special, special moment. And it was so cool to be able to see all those videos and kind of get to feel like you were there a little bit. I mean, that that kind of stuff is what makes all this stuff that we do with college sports worth it. You know, 30 years waiting for a win like that, but it was pretty darn great once it came, you know? So, yeah. That was, yeah, that was cool. They, they've done a really nice job with a lot of the videos and the stuff yeah. they've tried to put out to bridge the gap a little bit between people not being there and, and what actually happened and things like that. Obviously, a lot more fun to watch when they win, but they're, they're doing a, a, yeah. a, a pretty good job of being able to use the you know the some of the tools they have to 
enhance the experience for sure. Coach, did you see the moment when they're on the sideline and they're waiting for the decision to be announced of whether it was going to be a touchdown or not? And Tom Allen's over there. I know he's standing next to Penix. Maybe Fillier's over there too. But you know, I think Penix is saying like, you know, it was a touchdown. It was a touchdown. And and Allen just turns to him and just says, I think he said, no matter what, we're together. Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, to to say that and that like that is the biggest moment of his coaching career right there. You know, to get that win is going to be the biggest moment. And to to say something like that, which is so perfect, you know, for the program that he's building, which is about more than wins and losses, it's about relationships, and yet those relationships are what lead to the wins, you know? And just that was such a window into why I think players are buying into him. And even though, as he said, he got mocked a little bit at the beginning and even we laughed about it a little bit. Yeah. Like, how can you not get sucked into it when you see a raw moment like that? And it's like, damn, this guy really is for real, <laughs> you know, because if well, there's ever genuine. time for it. Yeah, it's just totally genuine. It, it's genuine. And some of the the problem of, of all the social media and the stuff that we get to, it comes across for a lot of us that came across as fake as just a, a gimmick uh, type of thing. But I, the more and more I watch, the more and more it's real. Uh, and, and those guys are living it and, and loving it. And I've always said, Sammy and I get in some arguments at times on the football side, but I always thought that was really great in the locker room. I, I don't like, you know, the athletic department putting it on, you know, banners and all that kind of stuff and putting it on commercials. And um, But it, it it's worked, and, and and the belief is there. So it, it's just good to see. And, and, and these days it's really good to have a guy like Allen um, leading your program as yeah. opposed to some other coaches around um, Scott Frost. Yeah, I think it, I mean I think it's one of those things where it's like a, a person that you meet in uh you know even outside of sports in your in your life where it's like this person can't possibly be as nice as they really are or yeah. as genuine as they really are like we've all <laughs> yeah. met people like that where it's like yeah. something's weird here. No, like this is just actually a really nice person. Yeah. Coach Hep was that way. With, yeah. And I think yeah. it's the same yeah, I think it's the same thing with Alan. It's like everybody kind of had their guard up a little bit at first being like, yeah, is this guy for real? Is this just you know the used car salesman type type stuff and then i think the more that you're around and you get glimpses into some of those moments you realize that it's not but i, I mean i'm we all i'm sure could go through a number of people that we've met and been skeptical of in that way which maybe doesn't say a great deal about our society that you can't just believe somebody's being nice or genuine but that's a that's a separate podcast we'll, we'll save that for another time yeah he's got it he's got it going he got to get some situational decisions down like taking a knee at the end of the first half and stuff like that that are still bugaboos for him but yeah. All coaches have that as you, as you grow in your in your position. But um, yeah, he's he's turned it around for sure. Yeah, I'm just glad Nebraska's here to bring all the rest of the Big Ten teams together. Yeah, you know, we, if we needed something to pull us together, Nebraska is here to. That's the yeah, one. Ne- thing. Nebraska basically made me root for Ohio State to like run it up on them last <laughs> week. That's about that's about as damning as you can get. I was like. I was like, I don't care how many points they score. Doesn't matter who it is. First string quarterback doesn't matter. Put it on him. Uh, we were rooting for Ohio State here too. It felt really, really bad. I know you don't feel good about yourself. Feels but, dirty. You know, that's Feels dirty. What, yeah. Yeah. Anytime you can make people do that, that's what you have to. You know, look what you've done. Way to go! You know, way to go! So that's the only way I stop buying home field is if they come out with the big new Saturday corn husker gear. I'm done. Connor, no, they sorry. Have, they have too much integrity for that. We're not going to see Nebraska <laughs> unless it's like at the very yeah. end. No way. No way. Okay, um, let's do this. We have another segment to do. The news on flavored e-cigs talks a lot about the technology and teen use, but parents need to know more about the dangers of nicotine. 
So know this. One, nicotine is one of the most toxic of all poisons. Two, kids are more at risk for developing addiction. Three, a nicotine addiction can make it easier for kids to get addicted to other drugs. So even when it tastes like candy, nicotine is brain poison. Go to flavorshookkids.org for more. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. What's up, y'all? It's Devontae Green, giving you the green light to watch Assembly Call after every IU game. Just don't listen to their opinions about shot selection. Remember, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Go Hoosiers. Thank you, Devontae. I'm Jared Morris, uh, and here with our entire roster of regular co-hosts, Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, you are listening to the Assembly Call. Remember that you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. All right. Let's uh, resume the mailbag. All these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, uh, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community, uh, as well as a few Twitter questions, uh, including this first one, which marks the return of the mediocre question of the week. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. So, gentlemen, Jay asks or says, give me your top three most anticipated Indiana seasons in terms of how you were feeling before the season started. Uh, two of these are very easy for me. One was 1993. Uh, it's by far the most anticipated season of all time. After that team went to the Final Four, Calvert Chaney's senior year, Greg Graham's senior year, I was as hyped up for that season as ever. Uh, I would also say 2013, you know, with the preseason number one ranking coming off that 2012 season, which was so much fun uh, and everything felt possible heading into 2013. You know, those were two. And then those were the two kind of in the time I've been an Indiana fan, the two where you expected a national championship before the season started, you know, like that was the bar for success. And so I think those are the two obvious ones. And then the other ones for me, I couldn't really decide between these two, although if I had to, I would say 2008, uh, Eric Gordon's freshman season, uh, or 2019, Romeo Langford's freshman season. But I just remember you know, being so excited for that 2008 team with Eric Gordon, with some of the other you know, guys who were there, plus having you know, DJ White uh, and obviously the excitement of, of Kelvin Sampson, or what was the excitement of Kelvin Sampson at that time. Um, so th- those would be the ones that I would mention. And then an honorable mention is the 2003 season, which was the year after uh, Indiana made the run to the national championship. And again, you know, it was kind of one of those, everything seems possible. You got Bracey Wright, Marshall Strickland, like all these, these new faces. Uh, and they even started out the season really, really well with that huge win over Maryland. And then everything went downhill when Mike Davis ran onto the court, slapping his face in the Kentucky game. Uh, but prior to the season, at the beginning of the season, it was a really, really exciting uh, season that I was looking forward to. So those are the ones that jumped out to me. I hope I didn't miss any obvious ones. Uh, any others jump out to you guys? 
uh, uh, the day the day Mike Davis ran out on the uh, on the court during that game was the day Jen and I got engaged. So I still have oh, vivid hey, memories of nice. that. Nice. Uh, the only other one I would say this is I mean this team was not not good by any means, but it was just for me it was the ninety six ninety seven because it was my year as a freshman and you know Collier in that recruiting class coming in was exciting, but also just exciting to be able to be there for it. Now that uh, season did not you know meet the uh, expectations that I had for it, but it was at least excitement of actually being on campus and knowing you're going to be able to go to all the games and stuff like that. That was something uh, cool about that. Yeah, I think uh, for me, 0506, because I got to be, I got to follow the team. And so I, you know, read every book, I devoured every season preview. And that was the year I was the IDS basketball columnist. And quite frankly, that team was pretty hyped early on uh, until that, that Duke game, they had played very well. And, um, the Duke game that we always talk about. They played very well in the preseason. It looked like, uh, and then DJ White got hurt. And before mm. that, it looked like they were going to have the Twin Towers down low. They had some shooters on the perimeter with guys like AJ Ratliff. Ben Allen was playing on the perimeter as a shooter, and he looked really good early on. Uh, Marshall Strickland looked like a senior leader. I mean, you know, so it was like things were falling into place. Robert Baden off the wing. Everything was kind of falling in, into place. And then DJ White got hurt, and it threw off the entire game plan because. Killingsworth, the plan for him was because he's such a big guy. He was only going to play like 23 minutes a game, but they wanted to play 23 minutes a game. Just go as hard as you can. And he was dominating early on. And then it just tailed off as he had to play 30 minutes a game later in the year. So that was really a fun uh, experience. And that was a year I really looked forward to. Obviously, the ones Jared named, um, I would say 2011-12 and 12-13 were highly anticipated 11 12 just because cody zeller was coming in it was the first like big iu recruiting win in a long time and because and there were assembly call episodes i was about to say to and we started this show so <laughs> that had something to do with it um and i'd also say the uh what was in what was a highly anticipated season but didn't turn out that way was 16 17 with some of those guys coming oh, back yeah. with uh, and then it just flopped right off the right off the bat in maui um, with with Thomas Bryant and OG and some no of the Maui guys. was the year before 2016 2017 they started out oh yeah no I'm sorry by I'm beating sorry. Kansas yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, wait, and then 20... OG got OG got hurt in 2017 that's the year he got hurt we were we were ranked as high as fourth after we beat North Carolina that's right yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it was that year you're right I'm mixing them up but uh, who did they no they played in Hawaii that's what I'm thinking of they played in Hawaii and they beat Kansas yeah yes. right. And yes. and and that was everybody's like, oh my gosh, they can play. And then they lost to Curtis Jones, baby. They lost to Fort Wayne that year, yep. and uh, and Butler too in the crossroads. But yeah, uh, it was a that was a highly anticipated year, and and it flopped. It was. Um, okay, let's go to coach for this one. Favorite non basketball memory from your student days at IU? <laughs> I can't say. <laughs> we might have drops it, it, your favorite. It, it would have to be, have to be after dark to, to answer that that correctly no That's just, you know favorite non-basketball uh there's a lot of good football memories from the time uh that's when i got really hooked on indiana football anthony thompson dave schnell who needs to be in, in the hall of fame uh rest in peace was, was just a fantastic yes, guy I, I i remember he, he, i think it was a game at wisconsin or something and He'd come back, and I knew where his apartment was, and he'd be sitting on on his balcony with the keg, just chilling after a big Big Ten win. Uh, just a great guy, great uh, memory. So a lot of good uh, memories. Little fives um, were were tremendous. Uh, John Cougar Mellencamp concert in Memorial Stadium my freshman year uh, was was a good memory right off the top. 
All good ones. Anybody else have a good non-basketball memory that you'd like to share? Uh, making fun of, what was his name? Jared Lorenzen from the stands at an IU-Kentucky game. One of the last IU-Kentucky games in football. That's it? That making fun. fun of someone? That's your one of your yeah. favorite memories? Yeah. <laughs> he was a very large individual. It was pretty easy. No, it was just, the whole crowd was because he was like showboating to the like the IU fans because it was back when this uh the students were on the opposing Probably side. Probably because they were up 42 to three. Yeah, it guess. was well, it was close for a while and then they <laughs> fell apart on it because a bunch of deep balls made it through. Shocking that that would happen to IU. But the whole crowd was giving Lorenzen crap. It was just fun. It was a fun college student moment, you know, where you're ripping the quarterback of another team. Did he pass away? Am I right about that? Jared Lorenzo? Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah, he, he did. did. So that's a downer note. Thanks, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jared. <laughs> um, Andy? I like, that he turned, I like that he turned it back on you. That was, that was <laughs> yeah, really great. I'm the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah, great. Good. Uh, no, I, I mean, I would probably be with Coach. I mean, a lot of football, you know, tailgating with my, my family. That was something we'd done for a while, and it was, you know, a good way to, you know, see my parents when they would come down and, and hang out and uh, it was just something that we always enjoyed. So I, I'd say a lot of coaches, a little five stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Waking up, up at waking classes, up at, classes. I noticed nobody mentioned that, but that's neither. Here. I don't remember a single class from Indiana. It's no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but so waking up as a group, my senior year, we would wake up at like 5 AM, go to the store, get a bunch of ice, get to the tailgate fields when they opened at six and be there all day. And just, I'd pull my, one of my friends would pull his car in and take up, like park across like five spots on the fields. And then we'd all pull in and he'd like move it. Always fun. All right. Let's see. Oh, we got a question about Tony LaRussa, but time has proven me right on virtually no more questions. Hit the wrong drop. Sorry. Ah, Uh, Anyway, I know. Whatever. Let's get out of here. Well, that's going to do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of the music that you hear on the show and specially producing music for his questions. And thank you for listening. We will talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then, take it from me, Robert Johnson. Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. I don't like carrots. <sighs> God, I'm rusty, man. I'm rusty. We've got to remember that when the team takes the floor for the first couple games, you know, going to be a little pandemic rust. So, anyway. So, thoughts Ryan, on Tony LaRusso? Ryan, Ryan will treat you like he did with Michael Penix and want to bench everyone. <laughs> yeah, the, get out of here, Morris. Yeah. Sit hey, out, guys, Andy, should we bench over. Trace Andy, Jackson t- Davis? Should, should Trace yeah. Jackson Davis be playing? Yeah, get him out so we have hey. a chance to win. Penix, yeah, sure, he hasn't be, played since real. March, let's, but let's not worry about it. Let's be honest. Penix looked terrible. Yes, and you could and have he's lost your that game. starting quarterback. And the I first game, you I'm don't not saying even you bench think him about good. benching him. I was no. not saying you bench him for good, but you don't he even was missing think open. He was missing open receivers by yeah. seven yards, Jared. I and mean, he's the most know, talented player on your roster. And if you're going to win, I wouldn't it's because, say that. Oh, I would. Most talented player on the roster. Yes, Michael Penix is the most talented player on IU. Taiwan Mullen. Mullen is a close yeah. second. I Mullen is way more talented, in my opinion. I mean, whatever. That's look, they're subjective. both they're both really argument. talented. It's yeah. nice to be able to. The debate problem those Penix two. was having, and, and look, I was, the problem Penix was having because I, I rewatched parts of the game is he was gunning everything as hard as he could. Yes, and he was missing guys because he wasn't leading them with touch. And now I've I even yeah, no said one's in arguing our, that. Yeah, and so the problem I was having was that like 
get someone out there who can just complete a 10 yard pass, and get you a field goal range to take the lead again. Now, maybe look, I was also heated in the moment, but he looked terrible for three and a half quarters. And then he had one good drive at the end and then he played well in overtime. Um, but yeah, he's got to learn to put touch on some passes though. I mean, that, that one that, um, what's his name? Hendershot dropped. It went right through his hands. You got to catch that ball, but he was wide open. There was nobody around him. You could have, you could have, he could have shot, put the ball to him and he would have caught it. And he gunned it as hard as he could. And the guy was standing, you know, 10 yards. He was, away. he was flat footed. Yeah. And a lot of that was because of the pressure of the defensive line. The offensive yep. line played, that's played worse than the quarterback, no running game. And they were teeing off and he was just flat footed and using his, his, arm. Me- his mechanics looked weird too. They did not he started they getting balanced late in the yeah. game. And even they when did- the pressure was coming, he was stepping in and getting a full release. And so that early rust in the came game, off. early in the game, it looked like he was like yeah. stiffly winding up and throwing with no, his legs were not involved. He was leaning back. It was yes. nothing was right. I, nothing I agree with well. all of this. Yeah. I'm just saying you don't even think about mentioning him. You ride. I, I Michael said, Penix. I you're said ride or he, die he, with Michael Penix this year. I said, if you want to win this game, the first one in 32 years, you may have to. I didn't say you do it. I right. said you may. I'm have questioning to. the entire premise of sure. the statement. Fine, <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> I'm saying you want to win that game. Very few opportunities to do that at home. You may want to back away team. from this one gracefully because mm, I'm just <laughs> no. I'm telling you what my reasoning was. Clearly, I was wrong on okay. that. Have not. I I never said I was Let's right. See. One I was minute, just saying one hour yeah. nine You're seconds. <laughs> Fine. I knew you were going to get that. We've got Coach talking about <laughs> his butt that, cheeks. That I was wrong. And <laughs> Ryan admitted <laughs> he was wrong. No, but seriously. I it's been I, quite I, a night, fellas. Quite a night. <laughs> I think we're done here. <laughs> uh, you want to talk to Tony La Russa? No. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I'm not excited. Tony La Russa is a he did win a world. Here's what I was You want to hop in a time machine and go yeah. talk about Tony La Russa? That sounds good. The last thing he did as a baseball manager was win a World Series. Absolutely. So we got that going And it for should us. have been the last thing he did as a baseball manager, and he never <laughs> should have come back. No, he is the problem. My problem is the fit with the White Sox is crazy. He's yeah. this stodgy old school manager who hates things like bat flips or admiring home runs or celebrating on the field and all that. And he's taking over the White Sox, who are an exciting, <laughs> exuberant, young. T- he's going to manage Tim Anderson, who's like Mr. Batflip. And, you know, and by the way, I, I think Batflips are great. I think bringing excitement to the game is great. I think f- being fired up on the mound is great. All of that. And Tony La Russa is the opposite of all of that. It makes no sense to me. And also, you know, Tony La Russa likes to moralize about everything going on in the world when he managed one of the most steroid riddled rosters in major league history and has, I believe at least one drunk driving arrest where he was incredibly drunk, but he moralizes about everybody else. And I just think that's a bad fit for a young upcoming roster that is excited as exciting in any in baseball. I truly am hoping for a Padres white Sox world series next year. I, I truly am. I think that would be the best thing for baseball Two exciting young teams with yeah. a ton of young stars who play the game in a fun way and are a blast to watch. I mean, whatever you say about the Dodgers, the Dodgers were a wrecking ball this year. They were an absolute juggernaut. Other than Mookie Betts, they're not a whole lot of fun. They're a very like, you know, and probably the fact they've been to the World Series a couple of years and not won it made them more like a straight lined pursuit. You know, they just only focus on the prize. We don't care about anything until we win that World Series. It felt very sterile and corporate, other than Mookie being, you know, un- incredible. 
it just felt like they weren't very likable or there was, it reminded me sort of of the Yankees in the early 2000s where it was just a singular goal to be a wrecking ball and win a championship. There just wasn't a lot of excitement. And that's how I feel like we can't have that in baseball. If you want a younger people to be watching and you want new generations of fans created. So you can buy the book, the white Sox way by Tony La Russa, you know, cause the Cardinals played one way and, well, what's he going to do? What's he going to do with the three batter minimum? He can't change a pitcher every like three pitchers in an inning. He can't do that. I don't know what he's going to do. But hopefully he understands the new rules, which have changed some. I'm trying to be hopeful because the White Sox have an exciting young core. If they, they can do, find they're some a pitching. lot of fun. Hey, I will say this based on pure talent, pure talent. The White Sox were the most talented team in baseball this year. They were the most talented, pure talent. I'm not, and if they could know, get Kopech back. Well, and the Dodgers turned talent into production, you know, so you could say like, well, the Dodgers are the most talented. No, the Dodgers developed their talent into production. There's still untapped potential on the White Sox that hasn't hit yet. But as far as pure talent, nobody was as talented as the White Sox. I'd put the Dodgers in there. I'd put the Astros still have a ton of talent, and I'd put the Padres right up there as well. But I think the White Sox were number one. Okay, and that, by the Alex, way, that- Alex Bozich is going to love, and so is Rick Bozich. They're both going to love listening to this episode. They are. They are. Um, although we probably lost Alex with all the IU football talk. Probably. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see here. Yeah. Rick asked Rick. That was Rick Boza. who submitted the question. Tony LaRusso, your thoughts. Uh, okay. So question from Adam. Did you guys hear about the AJ Guyton's new podcast? And we did. That is part of Rob Doster's uh, new podcast network. And we actually had some preliminary discussions with him uh, about joining that, which kind of fell apart because I missed uh, some Twitter DMs. Uh, but as you guys know, I've also kind of never really seen the value for us in joining a network simply because we're such a niche show. Like there's not going to be a huge benefit to us from like Kansas fans finding out about our show. So it's just never made sense. Um, so I'm glad, I think this is actually a better fit for what Rob's trying to build. Um, this podcast that AJ Guyton's doing and he did, a his first episode is with Steve Alford and they, you know, had a cool uh, clip that was running around social media where Steve Alford was sharing the story about how Bob Knight made him walk back from the plane, <laughs> uh, one night. So I think it'll be really interesting, you know, um, see how good of an interviewer AJ is. If he's anything close on interviewing as he was as an offensive player, then it's going to be an amazing podcast. Um, but it's really nice. He's got to a see. lot of players in that, um, from, yeah. It's a player-centric type of podcast. He also has Tim Miles, and, and I wasn't the yeah. big Tim Miles fan at first uh, when he was at Nebraska. I like him a lot better as a commentator uh, and, and a podcast uh, participant, uh, but he's got a lot of good things. So, um, Did you listen to the – I saw the first Tim Miles when he has Fran McCaffrey on. I haven't I – haven't, <laughs> I haven't listened to it yet. I have it downloaded, Tim Miles but it, and it's Fran McCaffrey. I mean, yeah, that should be good. Yeah, I listened to the highly the excitable uh, <laughs> yeah. episode of the podcast. Yeah, I listened to the uh, I listened to the Guyton and Alford one. I thought he did a good job. I think it's one of those things he'll um, probably, you know, settle in a little bit more to a you know format and questions and whatever. But I thought it was a good, good first one. Some good stories from Alford and um, some good back and forth. So I think it should be good. I believe he said he was having Archie on this uh, upcoming nice. week. I, I believe so. Very nice. Archie, do the show. Come on. I, uh, I came around quickly on Tim Miles when he joined us for podcast on the brink and shared all his stories of loving Indiana growing up and trying to break into Assembly Hall yeah. and some of the hijinks. He, yeah. was, uh, he seems like a good dude. 
Seems like a good. I'm name. hoping that eventually he uh, on the show will get into his uh, his mid court confrontation with Tom Crean that that took place uh, at one point. I'm hoping the, the, the that story may unearth itself at some point while he's on there. So yeah, I have that one queued up to listen to. As I do well, recall but... that moment reflecting well on Crean because he kind of stood his ground, and I think we won that game too, didn't we? Like one of the first, like yeah, you know, one of our so. few road victories. Um, yeah. Okay, let's let's power through. A this is my more of these this questions. is my last one, so. Ooh, and we better make it a dinner's, good one. Dinner's being prepared. Let's see. What question What question do we want to give to Ryan here? Um, okay, from IU Artifacts. What is your favorite IU tradition that is not directly affiliated with IU Athletics? Well, tailgating. We already went over this. I think it's the it's the excitement of the football games. I mean, I think that that's my favorite. I like, How about this? Here's a good one. Watching games at Knicks. I think is another one. If you don't have tickets, if we didn't have tickets to games, we loved going to Knicks and just packing into that bar. And one of my favorite videos that's ever come out from anything IU related was after the watch shot, the shot, not on the court. I mean, the court's fun, but watching a packed Knicks just go absolutely nuts after, after Christian Wofford hit that shot. I think that to me is, um, was my favorite. You know, I, I just think that uh, being around other IU fans in, in a confined space, obviously not a good idea right now, but eventually I, I loved uh, going to Knicks for games or, or for anything. And one of the, one of my favorite stories about IU is um, just to, the power of IU was that about two months after the watch shot, I went to, when I lived in Bloomington, I'd go to Knicks for lunch all the time. They had Wi-Fi, I could sit there and type all day. A few months after the watch shot, it was, it was a crowded day at lunch at Nick's and everybody's talking and buzzing and whatever. And you're, everyone's in their own little thing. And they were replaying the watch out on the big 10 network. And it came to the part and they were playing the whole game. And it came to the part where Christian Wofford was about to shoot. And everybody, it was right after the free throw from Kentucky. Everybody got dead silent, watched it. And then when he hit the shot, everybody cheered like it had just happened. <laughs> and it was one of my favorite moments awesome. of being an IU fan because it was just everybody, you know, it's a crowded lunch place and everybody's on their own thing. And they see that part of the game and everybody shuts up. You could have heard a pin drop. The shot happens. And as soon as the crowd goes nuts on the video, everybody went nuts in the bar and was pounding the table and clapping and, and cheering. And um, it, like they'd never seen it before. And it, you know, that's, that's the power of IU basketball, man. It just is. And uh, that's great. very few things can make people love something that much. That is a good story. Way to end on a high. Do a George Costanza and get out of here while you're I'm out of there. After love you guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being here, Ryan. Um, see you, Ryan. See you, okay. Ryan. Let's, by the way, my favorite uh, IU tradition that has nothing to do with sports is going to see the Herman Wells statue, which I always do every time I go back because uh, Herman Wells meant so much to Indiana. And I think it's awesome that he's got that statue so that, so just like when he was president and students could go in and see him whenever they wanted to, you can go see Herman uh, whenever you want to. And you always see the, the tours on campus when they're bringing in the prospective students and they always go by, you know, go through the sample gates and then go by and see the Herman Wells statue. So that is my favorite one. Because uh, I love that the statue. well house, um, the well house where the rumor is you're not a true uh, co-ed until you've kissed in in the well house. Well, that's where Mrs. Tonsoni and I were engaged. Uh, I popped a question uh, on a Saturday morning of pigskins and pancakes before we went to uh, the football game, the scrimmage in the spring game, and uh, thankfully she said yes. the other, The other thing is uh, the auditorium, all the activities at the auditorium, concerts, speakers. Saw Sam Kennison live there, the comedian. Um, wow. 
probably not politically correct these days to even mention Sam Kinison, but uh, it was funny back when you were 21, 22. I saw Bill Cosby there, which we also should not talk about for yeah. other reasons. Okay. So it's, yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. Bill Cosby and R. Kelly in the same podcast. Boy, we are really. Uh, <laughs> Do we get the E for that? For just yeah. mentioning those things? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, let's see. Evan, his question is, was it good? And he was referring to the Penix play. Yes. There are now <laughs> two angles that seem to show. Uh, the ball clearly cl- crossing the goal line. So yeah, plus I, the home field, plus the home field shirt. So I mean, really, yeah. that's a third that. that uh, but legitimately, like I, I not even like yeah. looking at it with crimson colored glasses. Like I legitimately think that it was good. I mean, by a hair, it was obviously close, but I think it was quite it's the angle good. of the football. Right, the angle yes. of the football can cross, you know, the line before it hits the ground or hits the pylon. It it physically can can happen. Yep. Um, let's see here. Okay. There were a couple of recruiting questions. So Blake says, what is the expectations for IU in 2021? Assuming we land Kaufman and Aminu Muhammad. And I love the premise of this question because it's assuming two recruits that we're probably not going to get. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, as much as we'd love to get those guys and look, the Kaufman announcement comes tomorrow. So we'll see. And I don't know when we get done recording the show, who knows what else is broken on that story. Um, but Aminu Muhammad does not look very likely. Um, so, I mean, we've got to kind of start looking beyond those guys. Logan Duncan is obviously signed. I think, uh, you know, you hope to get Trey Kaufman. If you don't, then you really want to land Mason Miller, uh, who is a really good shooter and would obviously upgrade the shooting. And then I think what's going to be really interesting, Coach, and this kind of gets to the next question from His Majesty, is, you know, with this new rule now that got, everybody's basically redshirting this year, you know, Joey Brunk is going to be an interesting case. Because he is not a guy who I don't think he has NBA aspirations. Maybe he does, but that does that certainly doesn't seem likely. Um, and obviously, he'll be able to go make money playing overseas at some point. But he's a guy who could come back and who they might really want back. Number one, because he's a leader. And, you know, when you have a guy like Logan Duncombe, I mean, how much better is Logan Duncombe going to get if he gets to battle against Joey Brunk in practice every day? And you may really need Joey Brunk to play. You know, Joey Brunk for the faults that we have uh, you know, with him and some of his issues hedging ball screens and all that, is a good, serviceable Big Ten player. And if Trace Jackson Davis is gone, if you don't recruit another big guy, you may it might not just be a luxury to be able to have him back for another year. You may need him to come back for that other year. So I think that's going to be what's really interesting to watch as you move forward uh, with that rule. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what type of player decides to come back. You know, like... Um who, who's going to go uh, to European? It also depends on maybe how many games you get in. If, if there's, you know, you're supposed to play, you know, 25 games. If four or five or six are canceled, you get down to 15, 16 games. Maybe a senior does want to come back for a year that's likely to be 31 games. Um, so that, you know, that's going to be interesting. Uh, and then how it affects uh, the recruiting. But, um, yeah, you know, if Kaufman thing doesn't go go our way, then then you go to the next next guy, and that's that's Mason Miller. Uh, and, and you try to fill from that spot. But I think, you know, you you have Lander and you have Duncombe that were coming in in that class and one reclassified. So you had two. It's it's a blow if, if it doesn't go our way, but it's not a, a, like the, the cupboard's empty and, who, and how are you going to replace, um, you know, uh, players that way. I, I think Indiana will be okay. And, and I think they have, they have a good – aren't they down the last two? I think with Miller, either Creighton or Indiana – 
is yeah. kind of what the vibe is. And so he's probably the next one that is as close uh, to maybe coming to Indiana. That's where we got to go. And, and um, you know, as a coach, you're disappointed. Uh, but, again, you can't let that sit for too long. you got a team to prepare this year, and you got more recruits to go after. And it, you handle it like a bad game. It's a loss, and you move – you go forward. So – well, the the benefit, other, oh, go ahead, Andy. Go ahead. Well, the other thing to think about is with the different like transfer, you know, the one-time transfer rule gets through. You've got other opportunities to potentially bring somebody in that could play right away if you really felt like you had to. Um, that right. gives a little bit more flexibility that you wouldn't have had before if you if you're taking transfers. And certainly from a scholarship standpoint, the, the you know guys taking the extra year isn't going to count against you, but. Um, just in, in general for being able to take transfers, if that's a situation that presents itself, I use in a, in a solid position there if, if for the right guy and if they, they find somebody that they like. Like after Trey Kaufman and Caleb first spend their first winter in West Lafayette and decide, what have I done? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on down to the place where it's beautiful in Bloomington. Um, Jim Tom Hoosier, what do you guys think of the Big Ten 21-day quarantine rule? If a team star gets quarantined for 21 days, they miss six games, which is a quarter of their season. How do you think that's going to impact the season? I would say, number one, it's going to be interesting to see if that rule actually lasts into the season. I think part of the reason that was implemented was because of some of these fears of the the heart issue that was that that had, I think, one person died from it, if I remember correctly, and it was you know related to COVID. As further testing has been done, I don't think that is as much of a concern. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm obviously I'm you know I'm not a doctor here, but this is based on what I've read. That's my understanding of it. And so they, the Big Ten was obviously trying to be overly cautious. I think it'll be interesting to see if they change that kind of as the science changes and the recommendations change. But look, you know any type of extended quarantine, even if it's just seven days, you know, and if you can't practice and you have to miss games, but also practice time. That's going to be really, really disruptive. Um, you know, I don't know exactly how that works. I mean, if yeah, if it's one guy, like, do, does the entire team then have to quarantine and not be able to practice? I'm not 100% clear on how that's going to work, but it's going to be massively disruptive, you know, and I think that's – we're just going to have to watch how that plays out, but it's going to be just as disruptive for us as it is for other people, and you would probably think it may hurt you, but then maybe you're on, you know, the plus side of it a month later because someone, you know, you play someone at the right time. So I don't know, like we could probably talk ourselves in circles and, and talk to her blue in the face about that. I'm just kind of approaching it like stuff like that might happen, but let's just address it when it happens and see the particulars because so much of it is just going to be based on the context, who it happens to, when it happens, you know, and who's coming up on the schedule. So I, I don't know. I don't have a whole lot more insight on it besides that. There's there's no predicting this stuff. Um, I, and I think your position, Jared, is is what a lot of people should consider taking. And, and, and as I've said a couple times, be happy with whatever games we get to see Indiana play this year. You know, um, it, it, it's different in high school because of the lack of testing. Uh, but we've had several high school football teams lose their tournament because – um, one or two, three cases. And we had one um, that because they played the, the opponent, they played in the first round of the tournament two days after that game had some. Um, so the difference with football is you can socially distance. You can put the offensive line in one part of the stadium and the quarterbacks in the other in practice. And if Trevor Lawrence gets it, it might not affect the linemen or might not, you know, that's what the NFL kind of is doing as well. 
it's a little harder when you have basketball and, and you're going five on five and that, that's your 10 guys that if someone does test positive. Um, so I think it's 10 to 14 days. You're going to have to accept your, your, your player who has COVID out 10 to 14 days if the testing rule does get changed. Uh, so you're looking at, at 10 to 21 days per positive test per individual. And if there's no contact tracing, so when Indiana plays, let's enjoy it. Come on, watch the show. We'll talk about it. And, and then Andy had, will have, you know, three weeks to do a preview or something, depending on, on who's <laughs> on the schedule. But let's – I'm really trying to get myself jazzed up. I'll never tell anyone what to do. Um, but I'm trying to get my jazzed up to – if they're on the schedule and they're playing at night and I'm watching, I'm going to enjoy it. And if something happens, we're just going to have to to deal with it um, as it happens. Can you imagine how excruciating those two or three weeks would be for the coaches? <laughs> You can't if you can't play, you can't practice, and you're just like. I mean, I guess you would be able to do some sort of team activities, do some film work, do some mental work. Some, I mean, I'm guessing guys could probably go in the gym. Like, I, there's got to be, you know, I mean, guys probably still have to be able to work out and do some of those things. But well, it, it's tough too because like my head coach wouldn't let me come to workouts this week because our school shut down. Mm. Now I was I wasn't a direct contact. I wasn't contact traced, but. Our school shut down till November 11th uh, because there was a breakout. Um, and so I said, hey, do you want me to come over for these next two workouts before? He goes, no, I want you when season starts on November 9th. And I don't want to take any chance that you're not aware, you're asymptomatic, uh, and we can miss you for two workouts. We can't miss you in November. So I, I got to sleep in this morning. That's kind of nice. But, um, you know, when you're a coach, you want to be in the gym. Uh, and I didn't, I don't have it, but I, I, I can't be in the gym out of safety. So those are some things too, that, that pop up that no one thinks about. Mm -hmm. Uh, by the way, Jay wants to write Jay. Jay. <laughs> I'm jazzed up, dude. <laughs> Jay's been riding me hard all day in the chat mob. Uh, okay. I think that is all the questions. Jay did submit a fun question. We're going to save it for the future. It's about doing a snake draft with an all time. So we'll IU save it for one of the breaks where there's three weeks between games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, and the catch of the snake draft for an, an all time IU starting lineup is that you can't draft more than one player from each IU coach. So one night player, one Davis player, one cream player, et cetera. So it takes yeah. a lot of thinking, Jay. That does. It really does. But it's a great question. So we will, uh, Get to that in a future show. Are there any questions that we missed here? I think we hit most of them one way or the other. I think we got them. I think we got them. All right. All right. Well, that was fun. Let's uh, let's hope we get good news on uh, Friday from Trey Kaufman. But if we don't, handle it with class, move on, and uh, wish him well. And Beat, beat Rutgers on Saturday. Yeah, and just don't tweet at recruits. Just remember that that adage. It's always relevant. Please, please. <laughs> yeah, always relevant. Do not. Yeah. Do not. And uh, and by the way, go remember to check out our friends at Superior Insulator. I need to ask Brad exactly how to pronounce it because it's spelled Superior Insulators, but I feel weird saying Insulators. Like it doesn't flow off the tongue right. It feels like it should be insulators, but it it's spelled insulators. So superior insulators. You're just shaking off some rust, like uh, Penix. Well, yeah, but yeah, but don't bench me, right? Don't. Uh, <laughs> no, no. We may, we may need to. Yeah. <laughs> Andy and I vote no. You're you're the starter. Yeah. You're, nope, if you're the good. ship fails, you're you're the lead, There's, dude. Yeah. 
You know, a lot of you got a lot of rope. You're good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You're good. But clearly, this was excellent. I am, clearly, I am much more Peyton Ramsey than Michael Penix, though. We can certainly <laughs> we can certainly agree on that. Uh, but anyway, check out our friends at Superior Insulators, Insulators dot com. Uh, Fifty dollar home field apparel gift card is nothing to sneeze at. You don't have to sign up for their insulation services. You have to schedule an appointment. Now, once you schedule the appointment and you want to get rid of the drafty rooms and the cold floors and all that, you probably will schedule some service from them. Uh, but to get the home field apparel discount, they just want you to schedule the appointment, let them come out and talk to you. So it's a pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. Go get your Nebraska gear from homefieldapparel.com after you do it. Never. 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 Don't do it. Don't do it. All right. All right, guys. See you all Thanks, next everybody. week. All right. See you guys. <laughs> Bye. The tobacco industry's menthol targeting is straight up racist. And not that watered-down type of racist. What do they call it? Unconscious bias? No, not unconscious. Intentional. I mean that flooding our communities with ads, killing us by the thousands, and laughing all the way to the bank type of racist. They are literally killing us. This ends now at wearenotprofit.org. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. The Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player five. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.